0: Welcome to the Women in Wales' first Poetry in a Climate of Change podcast. I am Jordan Imani Keith, Seattle Civic Poet 2019-2022. to This series highlights the shared experiences of women who recognize the intersectional risks and benefits we share with the whales of the Salish Sea. Hi, our guest today is Ebony Wellborn. Ebony is originally from the South, but has been an active community member in King County for the last three years. As her life has progressed, Ebony has learned just how interconnected we are with our non-human friends. Ebony is also the co-founder of Let's See Potential. Welcome, Ebony, I'm excited to talk with you.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, we have spent since December 2020 in the virtual world of uh, Zoom, and this is the first day that we've seen each other in 3D, (laughs) so that's exciting, and I wanted to share that with our listeners for the context of understanding the work that we've done and how our group has grown over... I guess it's six months um, when when originally the vision was like we would do this four week workshop and then we all liked each other fortunately, and have, have been doing stuff. Well, I have never really heard the story. Certainly, I got your application. It was excited. and obviously you you were welcomed and um, accepted into the writing workshop. But I want to know what about the call spoke to you enough to, run that gauntlet of applying what, what, you know, the call was very specific to people who understood that they are connected to other beings and that they also recognized where they might be endangered species. Tell me about your, your choice to apply.
1: Yeah. Well, first I want to say I'm so glad to be here and actually see your face uh, for the first time. And that's really exciting to have this experience with you. And thank you for putting out the call because I never would have thought of anything in that fashion, really. I feel like me and Savannah, my co-partner in our organization, um, heard about it through our physical sponsor. Her name is M, and she sent it over to us and thought that it would be something interesting for us to participate in. But I realized I was thinking, I was like, I don't really know what this means. like, And I had to process it before I even applied because I was like, what, like, how can I relate? And I, at first, before making my own poem for my application, I had to like really understand what it looked like to be in the same space as the whales and as the Puget Sound whales, and just, I don't know, fill their experiences with my own. And I think it was just a beautiful instance of where I got to make that comparison because usually I do that with different creatures, but I've never had that exact experience with whales. And I thought, Wow, that is genius once I actually thought about it. (laughs) And so I was really thankful to apply because at that point I was like, I want to know more about how we relate to each other. And someone who has been thinking about how we relate for such a long time. And also our organization works a lot with youth. And I was like, I really want to bring out this connection to Wells with them as well. And so I was like, I have to learn more here. I have to learn so I can pass it to my kids and just really appreciate how Wells and I are common.
0: Nice. I love that. Learn so you can pass it to your kids. That you're already acting like you're a, an elder. <laughs> you know, you're already walking in that wisdom of, of how, we, how we move. The organization that is the fiscal sponsor for you, is that Sustainable Seattle?
1: Yes, Sustainable Seattle.
0: Mm-hmm. And so I don't know if you know, but um, I heard about you and Savannah before you applied. Because I used to work for Sustainable Seattle oh. for a minute. Yeah, doing the green drinks event. And so M was like, I know these two people that you should know. <laughs> and then at Voila, I see your application. So I was like, that sounds familiar. Where have I heard their names? So um, it's proof there's, uh, there, there are our natural ecosystems and there are our social Ecosystems, as as Urban Wilderness Project is trying to help people understand that they really are connected, mm-hmm. and our consciousness might be moving through air and water without mm-hmm. us really being aware of it. I mean, of course, there's an overt connection, but there was something moving long before I ever met M or you met M, right? Mm-hmm. So that the, that we could be at this place that's what i believe
1: yeah me too
0: Mm -hmm. yeah i want to talk with you about um why start an organization and tell me how you fell in love with the marine environment i am curious yeah that's just such a fun story for me because
1: i feel like it was later on that i learned to appreciate the ocean more but it began with water itself like i lived in the south in south carolina me and my brother would play by the creek near our home and we would just have these really beautiful moments together as children and I think that stuck with me for a very long time and making me want to protect these different ecosystems because I was like I had such great experience around it and then as I was growing up my family I would do family reunions at the ocean um, in South Carolina and yeah still having those really positive experiences around water made me appreciate that space and at first I was like I just want to protect the animals like that's what I want to protect Mm -hmm. and then as I got older and I realized it's not just the animals like it's like the whole ecosystem there's a whole ecosystem that allows the animals to exist in that space and I was like I have to protect that then and so when I finally heard the term that I think resonated with me most I think in middle school and that's a marine biologist I was like cool set done that's what I'll be and so, yeah, just really having those positive experiences while I was young allowed for me to appreciate the ecosystem and the natural environment so much more than I feel like I would have if I hadn't had those experiences. I don't know what path I
0: would be in right now. Absolutely. And it's really, it's wonderful because I imagined your creek. I don't, and and I don't know what, what um, beach do you went to in South Carolina, where
1: Oh, Myrtle Beach. Myrtle. That's what I was Mm -hmm. wondering. I've
0: been there once. (laughs) It's a very famous and well-loved beach. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's many um, conversations based on a a book that was written about assigning of yet another deficit, quote-unquote, a nature deficit disorder. I was like, Mm -hmm. really? Mm -hmm. Really? Everything has to be a malady? But I was like, nonetheless, it's how this prescriptive, idea has evolved, which is, is beneficial, like nature as a prescription, because people might not see it. But the way that you experienced it, kind of the way I experienced it, we caught lightning bugs. And yeah. did, have you ever seen the bioluminescence here in, in Washington?
1: I have. Um, when I finally came out to the West Coast, I was up in Edmonds working at a marine science summer camp. And every Thursday, we would take the kids out under the dock that we lived on to see the bioluminescence, and that was the first time, yeah, I've ever seen it. I thought it was absolutely magical, and, like, I got to experience it week after week after week, and it was just, like,
0: yeah, so cool. Can you describe it for people who have no idea what we're joyful about?
1: Mm, Yes. Okay, so bioluminescence is a light that is formed in different, generally invertebrate creatures, but some fish can have it too. It's, like, a microorganism that has this... I don't know some type of component or chemical that allows it to have this light effect. And once creatures eat it, or if the creature is just existing in the water, it just provides like this kind of like a twilight scene, but mm-hmm. on the water surface. And you just have to like swish the
0: water around, and they'll they'll just spark up. That's a beautiful description—a twilight scene, but on the water. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, I yeah, I didn't know that such a thing existed, and when I walked out into um. On Whitby Island, in the uh, useless bay, the the water had the tide was really far out, and um, I was with a, another writer from Hedgebrook, and we were just exploring Whitby. And when we stepped on the sand, it lit up under our feet. We're oh. like, "What is <laughs> happening?" So these are the kind of I think um, majestic moments that really can, like you said, you don't know what you would where you would be without that direction. Where did you go on to study marine biology?
1: I went to school back on the East Coast at the University of North Carolina at Greensboro. I majored in environmental studies because the school that I wanted to go to for marine biology deferred me and I was like, okay, I'm not going to do any more writing assignments, so I'll just go (laughs) with whoever accepted me. But that allowed me to pursue my career in a more open format, I think. While in school, I was able to take classes that were revolving around me marine biologies. And I got my advanced open water diving certification while I was in college too. The first internship I went to was dealing with wildlife rehabilitation and environmental education, but I still was able to experience like caring for both land and aquatic animals. And I feel like just having a broader major just allowed me to have different experiences revolving around the marine space and i am forever grateful for
0: just going with the flow at that point mm-hmm. okay you can't see i don't think you can see the big smile that just came across my face one imagining you doing it and that little part of me that like wow i wish you know i i, I gotta say i'm not big on wishes but i'm like oh i wish i did that <laughs> can you tell me you i mean because you just said the words open water diving mm. <laughs> certificate and I uh, also you know i think shamelessly that your your luminescence will have an impact on listeners maybe there's some other young black folk out there that are like wait what <laughs> like i just like the you sparked inside of me i'm i'm gonna have to go back in time because i need to do this so can i go back in time through your words can you tell me what you are talking about and how you felt diving in open water? Yeah,
1: it's something I always wanted to do. I've seen a couple of different shows that had divers on them. And that's just something, again, like when I set my mind to something, I'm like, okay, that's what I'm going to do. And so, yeah, I went about it in college and getting my certification because it could be a part of tuition instead of out of my pocket and basically I have my advanced open water certification. So the regular open water Certification allows you to dive, I think, up to 60 feet down, Mm -hmm. while the advanced allows you to dive down to 100. And yeah, you put on a full wetsuit, you put a tank on your back, you have a mask on your face um, and a way to breathe oxygen. And you go under the water and it's just a whole nother experience. I feel like I was very fortunate to have a teacher because I was in a very predominantly white space. I was the only black woman that was getting my certification when I was. And so it was very challenging trying to deal with like the social pressures as well as like actually learning how to die safely. But my teacher was very kind um, and spent more time with me outside of the class so that I could actually learn effectively. And so once I was able to do that, I've been diving a couple times now and it's just such cool creatures down there and being able to see them in their habitat outside of like, you know, bringing them up to the surface or putting them in tanks or whatever the case. You get to like literally submerge and go into their home and, you know, obviously treat it with respect. But, yeah, just see the way they live on a daily basis, which is fun.
0: I have plans for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, because it, that's. Just hearing that part of the story is wonderful. How long does it take to learn how to do that? And can old people do it?
1: Oh, yes. (laughs) Well, you're not old, Jordan.
0: (laughs) I know. I was talking about other people.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, uh, you can start. There's even a junior certification. um, But to get the regular open water certification where you don't have to be like guided is like 16. Mm -hmm. And you can get it at any point. It really takes... um, a weekend, I think it's a weekend, and you do four dives initially. And there's, like, classwork and uh, tests you have to take. But, yeah, after that, it can be done in, like, two weeks.
0: And you won't accidentally die? You
1: learn all the ways to make sure you don't, don't die.
0: Okay, that's <laughs> that's, that's priority.
1: And even outside of, like, getting your certification, like, it's always important to dive with a buddy just so you can watch each other's backs and be cautious.
0: Okay. And have you done any diving here in the Salish Sea?
1: Yeah, I haven't done too much. But when I was at the Marine Science Summer Camp, they paid for us to go diving to put the anchor the dock into the ground for the kids. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I was able to dive there. And that was a really fun time because there's like a ton of anemones and sea cucumbers and fish. And surprisingly, there was a toilet down there, which is concerning.
0: Um, But... (laughs) It was still a very fun time. That sounds like a scene from um, a Disney movie, like Little Mermaid. (laughs) Like a toilet. Well, yeah, (laughs) people do literally think of the ocean and actually have treated it as a toilet for a long time. Like, Mm -hmm. and when things are successful with wastewater treatment, the treated water from our toilets, does end up in the Sailor Sea. So there is a connection, but that is not what I would want to see while I was swimming along. And I imagine some other creatures were, were like, okay, well, we can live here. And you probably saw, saw some, <laughs> I would imagine, barnacles. Yeah. They're like, I'll,
1: I'll use whatever. I mean, it's not, they're opportunists, and that's kind of cool. They're like, okay, I guess I'll use what I got to.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a, as I've often imagined, life of a barnacle like a, then they just put their head and down somewhere and they're stuck. It's like, uh, and this is where you live forever. <laughs> and that's that. You could have lived on a whale, well, but you're on a toilet. <laughs> <laughs> um, Ebony, I have any, I want to ask, um, if you would share your poem right now with us. Yeah, I can do that. Thank you. Okay. The
1: Influence of Grandma's Ripple Stuck between seen and unseen Honorariums for being resilient You tell us we are winning Rippling words through whimsical waters Honorariums for being resilient Chains of trash are tied around grandma's neck Rippling words through withering waters Still, gentle giants move gracefully through the sea Chains of trash are tied around my neck You tell me I'm not grandma's descendant. I move gracefully like gentle giants of the sea. I am this water's new cycle. You tell me I'm not her. I am mixed with grandma's devotion and grace. I am this water's new cycle, where all lands touch all ancestors. I am mixed with grandma's devotion and grace. My bones don't rattle my skin. Where all lands touch all ancestors, I find strength. Chasing this moment. My bones don't rattle my skin. When breath of all kinds mingle, I find strength within the moment. The legacy of shared waters wash over me. You tell me I'm not grandma's descendant. Then you tell us we are winning. I am this water's new cycle. Stuck between
0: seen and unseen. Marvelous. It's wonderful to hear your poem again. I'm I'm jotting down things. I am this water's new cycle. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I am this water's new cycle. And chains of trash around my neck. I mean, for me, okay, I'm going to tell you how old school the memory is of (laughs) Public Enemy. Originally, the chain around the neck was with the clock was... I'm telling you what time it is. Like this mm. is time for change, right? And of course, the chains have different meanings. But when you talk, when you link in grandmother and you link in, I am this. Will you say it again? I am this waters. I am this new, waters new cycle. Yeah. Can you unpack that a little bit? What are you What are you thinking about with that? Mm.
1: Yeah, I'm thinking about how. Yeah, there's like nothing new under the sun, like. History like repeats itself, like the water cycle is going over and over again, just thinking that nothing is actually new and just having an experience where, yeah, my grandma had chains of trash tied around her neck and now I have I'm having this same experience and just like not that things can't change, but you you're having these similar experiences and how how you work through those experiences yourself is what makes it new But the cycle is still the same. And so I think I was just resonating with that and trying to, yeah, create my own churn. Like, this is my churn to make a cycle that I want to see. And, like, I'm just thinking about how, yeah, you can choose, like, to tell a lie or to tell the truth. And that changes things and just, like—but it's still, nonetheless, you have to choose which one you're going to do. And I'm just thinking that in my new cycle, I'm going to—I might have these chains around my neck, but— you won't treat me the same way you tried to treat my grandma and I have her strength and her grace and her devotion and I'm just going to walk this earth in yeah in my new cycle. Yes. You are a powerful
0: young woman and I have to I'm going to tell you that I can feel your spiritual influences in that <laughs> and there has been a light from that has shown on me and in our workshops and as you know I have a tendency to cuss. Mm-hmm. As old folks say cuss. But um I've been examining that because I noticed that you don't. And what that has meant for me is digging deeper what am I angry about? Mm. And when you just said that chains of trash around my neck, I had been thinking of something that breaks my heart when I see it, the sea turtles or you know other wildlife with the pieces of plastic around their neck. Mm-hmm. But what I heard when you were describing this, and you say you a grandmother too, is trash talk. The things that we have, like, you remember those paper links that you make in school? Mm-hmm. That's what I got an image of from from your words. And, and so I want to share that with you to honor how you shine and how that Im- influences, you know, your own luminescence has an influence. And I also want to ask you, can you share with folks if there is an intersectionality that you feel between your self as an individual, your family, or your ethnic cultural legacy that ties you to the marine life in the Salish Sea, especially maybe to our endangered orcas?
1: Yeah, I feel like there's so many links between us and some that I probably still haven't come into realization yet. But I think the first one that immediately pops into my mind is how, yeah, it's a matriarchy. So though the woman's at the head of the pack and just how my family, we do have a lot of great males in my family. But in my immediate family, there aren't that many male role models that were the leaders, you know, you would expect them to be. So who took up that space was my mom or my grandma and my aunties. Mm -hmm. And so I resonate with that a lot and seeing how they took on that role in my life and how they relate to the, the system that always exists in the Wells' lives. And I see us reflecting each other in that way and just also thinking about, yeah, kind of talking about in the poem, the grace, and devotion in that space and, like, how the will is missing from the Salish Sea over in California or Florida.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And just that they're still fighting, they're still calling out their names and having the Native um, Americans represent their words and still advocate to bring that baby home and just seeing how that reflects in my family, thinking a lot about my faith and belief as a Christian and just, like, how— your parents and, or my parents and my grandma will always be waiting. Like if we were when we were kids and we were acting up and stuff, they were like, mm-hmm. "All right, I'm waiting for you. Like I know you're gonna grow out of this. I know you're having a hard time now trying to find yourself, but we'll be here and we'll keep praying for you and we'll help you get through like uh, those mental health issues too. That. We were going through when we were younger and just seeing like, yeah, they never gave up on me in that way and seeing how the whales never give up on their people either is just another beautiful way and how we connect. So Mm -hmm. there's so many, there's probably so many more instances, but those two, I think I really just uh, appreciate and makes me more grateful for the efforts of my family, um, both human and non-human.
0: Wow. That is perfect when you say the whales never Give up on their people. And of course the Lummi understand that the killer whales are their relations and mm-hmm. Lummi that you were referring to, you know, fighting to get the, the last living orca that was captured from Penn Cove on Whidbey Island, you know, as a child, as a child whale. And so I really appreciate you bringing all that to light and how you just shared with us about your family and that is a conversation i would like to continue about the legacies of of a matrilinear society and the power of that and um i want to thank you very much for this wonderful conversation as part of the podcast and it's it's been a pleasure i look forward to the next time we get to talk
1: thanks jordan
0: The Women and Wales Poetry in a Climate of Change podcast was made possible through the support of the City of Seattle Office of Arts and Culture, Jack Straw Cultural Center, and Urban Wilderness Project. I'd like to thank Gretchen Yanover for our theme music, and thank you, listeners, for joining us. Learn more about the Women and Wales Poetry in a Climate of Change project at urbanwildernessproject.org.